Music as a way to worship God is a huge part of following Jesus, but we don't always have the tools we need to connect with God in a worship service. In this series called Behind the Lyrics, we're talking about the meaning in the songs we sing because your favorite worship song has more to say. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. Favorite music genre, go. Favorite music genre? Pop, yes. Brittany? Country? That is a, they're out there. I'm like, yeah, but it's not. It's just so popular. I just don't know where these people are. Right here. Hip hop and rap. Um, who else? Just EDM. That is always so surprising to me. Anyone else? Who else? Who said that? Heavy metal. Wonderful. Yes. Country. That's a great one. Anyone else? I'm going to say like 40s and 50s. Ragtime. Jazz. Big band. Yeah. Luke. 90s worship. These are, in fact, the days of Elijah. If you had any question, they are. <laughs> 90s hip-hop, all right. That's some good stuff back there from what I hear. I don't know. I didn't really listen to it. Oh, yes. So, you knew. You knew that I would be triggered by Dave Matthews' band. Oh, just such a, just a great one. <laughs> Man, three names. All right, we're moving on. We're moving on. All right, listen. So at church, you may have noticed we spend a lot of time in music. And you may have asked why that is. You may have wondered why do we do, like if you're new to church, and a lot of you in here I know have been going to church since you were like waddling down the aisles. But, but now, you, like people that come to church and they're like, we're, they have to get used to this, the way that things happen in church. And they see us doing music and why? Why do we do music? And we're kind of talking a lot about that in this series. It's called Behind the Lyrics. And we believe that your favorite worship song has more to say than maybe you have noticed in the past. So this actually is our final week for the series Beyond the, or Behind the Lyrics. That's what it's been called the whole time. Beyond, nope, Behind, <laughs> behind the Lyrics. It's very important to me. <laughs> and I never have missaid it, missaid it before. Behind the the lyrics. There we go. I just needed to make sure I got it one time. So this is the, the final week that I will be sharing with you about Behind the Lyrics, and I'm just very excited about this series. I love this series, and I got really great feedback from the past when we've talked about worship songs. We're taking our worship songs that we often do, and we're talking about what the words we say really mean, what the words on the screen actually mean, and, and how they apply to our life, and where those words come from, and what they actually mean. So um, let's talk about why worship is important, because if you're asking that big why question, why do we do this, I want to have some answers for you. A man named Paul wrote a letter to Christians in the city of Colossae, and they had some questions about worship, and he said this, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. He tells me three things about worship. Number one, uh, wisdom is in songs. We learn about God through the songs we sing about him. Number two, the spirit is central. This is not just for the learning purpose. This is also so we can connect, we have a spiritual connection encounter with God. And the third is to sing with gratitude. People express worship in all kinds of different ways. There's singing, there's clapping, there's waving flags around. People dance in worship and, and yell and laugh. All kinds of, of different expressions to praise God. And gratitude is so important while we're praising God. There's another letter written by a man named James. And I've talked about him for the past couple of weeks. So you probably know if you have been here that James was the brother of Jesus. And I pay very close attention to James because I have brothers. 
And in order to believe that my brother was the savior of the universe, he would have to be something special. And James did believe that his brother was, in fact, God's only son. And so we pay attention to James because he really had to have been convinced. And he was. And he said this about worship. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Come near to God and he will come near to God to you. And this is such an important part of worship. It's important that we are genuinely trying to connect with God and have this experience because when we are trying to do that, he reciprocates and he meets us there when we are trying to meet him. And so all of this is so important because if you just let the worship lyrics pass you by on a screen or on a paper or in a hymnal, however you choose to do that, if you let those words pass you by, you could miss that. You could miss a genuine encounter with God. And that's, uh, that's the last thing I want for you. I want to prepare you, give you the tools to engage in worship so that you don't miss the presence of God through the worship outlet. And that's what this series is all about, giving you those tools to connect with God in worship. So just so you know what's coming, we're going to go through three songs tonight, as we have for the past two weeks. And then we're going to go into small groups. I'll give you some more instruction about that and kind of discuss it together, talk about the themes. And then we're going to come back into this room and we're going to worship together through music with those exact same three songs. So we are going to start on our first song for tonight, and it's called Sound of Adoration. And uh, I love this song. We're going to start with the chorus of this one. And in the chorus, it says, This is the sound of adoration. You are the joy of all creation. Oh, how we love you. Jesus, we love you. Now, first of all, you're going to see this O in this song a few times. And we talked about it last week, and that O... It doesn't like mean a particular thing, but it represents an emotional climax in a song. So those O's and ahs, and sometimes it's la la la, those things are very important in worship songs because they represent an emotional part. We're not just worshiping with our mouths, we're worshiping with our hearts. It's an emotional experience. And so part of that, naturally, there's going to be emotional sounds. So think about you at like a concert. Like I have seen Dave Matthews Band in concert, and you better believe I'm screaming. I don't even know like where it comes from, but I just start yelling and if you've been in a football game and you're like one second you're like sitting down but the next second because they're like running for the end zone and you're on your feet and you're screaming and you're like whoa where did that come from it's an emotional expression and it's the same in worship and you'll see it in scripture you'll see the o's and the ahs and the yays you'll see that kind of stuff it represents emotion so when you see that let that be a cue for you to to tune in with your heart not just the words of your mouth all right so when you see this word adoration Think the word adore. That's obviously where that kind of comes from. And to adore just means like mega love. It just means super respect. Mega love. Deeply love. So we adore God. And, and this song is the sound of our adoration. The sound of our mega love for God. And that's why we're singing and worshiping. This song also calls God the joy of all creation. And I like that name for God. Don't let those words just go by you. We're, we're calling God, the joy of all creation, because he is the source of joy. Everything that he created worships him and finds joy in him. Uh, Luke 19.40 says this, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. So God will be worshipped by all creation, not just the ones with a voice. He will be worshipped. He, he is the joy of all creation. And that's what we're, we're talking about there in that verse. I'm also going to hit um, the first verse. Sorry, that was the chorus. We're going to hit the first verse here because it has a couple themes I'd like to touch on. The pattern we see is we are this and God 
did this or God is this. And you'll see that through the verses. I'm only going to hit a couple. When we, these are all reasons that we give God praise. When we were lost ones, you were the shepherd that carried us home. And they all end with, we can't hold back our praise. We can't hold back our praise. This is the reason that we praise God. So when we were lost, you were the shepherd that brought us home. Last week, we talked about how God leaves the 99 to chase after the one. It's uh, Matthew 18, 12 through 14 is where he kind of talks about that. Um, Reckless Love was the song we were referencing as well. So there's another reference to that passage, that God leaves the group to chase after you specifically because of how much he loves you as an individual. The next line says, when we were prodigals, you ran to meet us with open arms. And you may be familiar with this reference. You may have not even noticed it was there before. But this is a reference to when Jesus tells a story about a man and his son. He tells this story. Uh, we have record of him telling this story in Luke 15, 11 through 32. It's kind of a long one. We don't need to read the whole thing. But I do want to give you some of the highlights. This family, a father and two sons actually, um, this family was pretty well off. And the son says he's going to cash in his inheritance from his father. So he says, all right, dad, wish you were dead. Give me your money and I'm going to scoot. That's what he said. Got a blast. I just give me what, what, what I owe, what I am owed, and I'm out of here. And so the guy, the father, I can't imagine what he's thinking. But, but his son is saying, I'm gonna, I can do this better than you can. I can take care of myself. I don't need this. I'm out of here. And the father, probably with a broken heart, probably defeated and sad, says, all right, here is what your half of the estate, what, what the estate is worth, and the son takes off. Very quickly, the son wastes all his money and he's just kind of living it up for a while the 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 word is wild living that's what we see is recorded and you can fill in the blanks as to what that means but he blows all of his money he loses it all and he finds himself needing a job so he gets a job feeding pigs and so he's feeding these pigs and as he's like shoveling whatever pigs eat slop is that right everything is what pigs eat right is that true <laughs> so he's just like feeding these pigs and he's like you know what that looks delicious because he hasn't eaten in probably days. And when he realizes he is jealous of the pig's food, he hits rock bottom. And he says, you know what? I thought I could do this, but this is the worst. And he, he also realizes my father's servants get it better than I do. Maybe I can't be a son, but maybe my dad will hire me back and I can feed pigs for him because it would be better than feeding these pigs. So he goes home. And I can only imagine in his heart, he's just got these butterflies. He's super nervous. What, what is my dad going to say? Uh, he's going to be so mad. I, he, I don't even deserve to be a servant, let alone, you know, it, return in this, you know, dramatic fashion. So he comes home and his dad loses his mind in a good way. <laughs> he loses his mind. He throws his arms around his son, not to strangle him to death but to welcome back the son that he missed. With open arms, he welcomes back his son. And the kid says, Dad, I'm not even worthy of being called your son. He says, that's nonsense. My son has returned. Get him a cloak. Get him some rings and some slippers. He is going to live it up. We're going to have a party for him. So get in the best food that we have been saving. And we're going to have a party to celebrate that my son is back. That's obviously a paraphrase. But he says this, for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So Jesus ties this story up in a bow for us, and he says, all right, this is what God sees 
when you repent of your sins. When, when you come to God and say, God, I thought I knew better. I thought I could handle this on my own, but I hit rock bottom. And I am coming to you, God, and I'm saying, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done it. I know I don't deserve sonship. I don't deserve to be your child, but maybe if you could just have a tiny bit of mercy on me, just a tiny bit. And God says, that is nonsense. You are my daughter. You are my son. You are mine. And he gives us grace, and he celebrates that we have returned. He doesn't scold us or hire us as a servant. We were dead and lost, and now we are alive and found because of him. And so he calls us his children, and he celebrates our return. And because of all of that, we can't hold back our praise. I'm not going to talk long about the bridge, uh, but there's a, re a repeating phrase that I'd like to touch on. Your grace changes everything. Because we talked about grace before, so I just wanted to hit it again because it comes up a lot in music. God sees when we mess up. He knows that we mess up. He knows that we don't deserve his love or his forgiveness. But in spite of all of that, he loves us so much that when we are humble, when we come back and say, Dad, I'm sorry, I messed up, he meets us with open arms and he has grace on us even though we don't deserve it. And so much so that he came to earth to die on a cross so we could be re reunited with him. That's, that's what the cross is all about. Jesus came to die so that we could be reconnected with God. That is his mega love for us. And so we sing a song about our mega love for him. And we adore him because he is so set apart and amazing and different and special. And that brings us to the second song of the night. And that's Holy Ground. I, this is a great song. I think I've said that about every song, but it is true every time I say it. Um, the verses, we're going to start with the verses of this song. And they tell us we have to show up. We have to show up to worship. So this is what the verses say. Here, as we wait, we seek your face. Come and make your throne upon our praise. Here in this place, have your way. The moment that we see you, we are changed. Here, not by power, not by might, but only by the cross we come alive. Here, we are undone, overcome by heaven's love revealed before our eyes. Now, the Bible does not have you are. Some of you noticed and were laughing. In my notes, I did that to kind of save a little space, but I did not change it for that. So, I think we can, now that I've addressed it, we can all move on. <laughs> Every line of this, this, uh, this is the verses, yes. Every line of these verses starts with here. And that tells me I need to be, I need to be there. I need to be present in worship. We need to meet him, but part of that is me saying, all right, I'm in this. I'm here to do it. And there's a lesson there in and by itself. When you're seeking him, he inhabits the praises of his people. That's a quote right out of scripture. When you, when you seek him, he meets you there. You have... You have to let him have his way with us, and then he changes us if we let him. And we have to let him be the powerful one, because nothing we can do can, be, can change us. Nothing we can do does that. God can do it, and he, only he can do it. And I think that last line is describing just the worship experience. We are undone. To me, that means I am deconstructed. What I thought was right is pulled apart, and God says, keep that. That's not so true. Keep that. That's not what I said about you. I said you were my child. Keep this part, but that's not what you should think about other people because they are also my children. And God deconstructs us. That's kind of how I read. We are undone. And, but not just undone, but I am overcome 
by his love. I am overpowered. I am just, I feel uh, engulfed in his love. And, and that's the love he shows to us when we devote our time to worshiping him, when we show up and worship in that setting. The bridge of this song goes like this. Show us, show us your glory. In wonder and surrender, we fall down. Show us your glory, show us your glory. Let every burning heart be holy ground. Now, we talked about glory once before in this series, and um, it can be confusing, so I do want to touch on it again. Uh, glory, I see glory in two ways. It's something that God has, and it's something we give him. Something God has, and something we give him. Glory is something that God has just because he is holy. Remember that holy word means set apart. It just means special, different, more than, greater than everything else. God is, does have glory just because it's who he is. But also we give him glory, and through our worship and praise, we are giving him glory. And we do that um, more to remind us who's in charge. <laughs> he already has glory. He doesn't need our glory. But we give him glory to remind us who's calling the shots, to remind us who the glorious, holy, set-apart one is. Because, man, our hearts want, uh, want to make it us. We want so desperately to be the one in charge, to be the one who decides what's right and wrong. We see that all over culture and not just like culture but like church culture we so desperately want to be the decider of right and wrong but we need to remind ourselves god is the glorious one god is the holy set apart one not us it's something he has and it's something we give him we should address address the name here of this song holy ground uh, because it's a, a reference to an event in history does anybody know what event it references this holy ground is in the bible two times once is the actual event. The second time is a reference to the actual event. Does anybody know what that event is? Anybody? Take a chance. I won't make you feel stupid. I'll tell you you're almost right. Yes! Didn't even have to tell you you're almost right. <laughs> Holy ground is a reference. It's used twice in the Bible. Once in the Old Testament when the actual event happened. And then again in the New Testament when they're talking about what happened at that first time in the Old Testament. So it's Moses and the burning bush, that burning heart um, in, that, in that lyric there, which I believe is the bridge. Um, burning hearts is kind of another clue to, to send us there. But God spoke to a man named Moses through a bush that was on fire but was not turning to ash. God does weird stuff like that. Get over it. So God spoke to Moses through this burning bush, and it's recorded. This event is recorded in the Exodus 3. Basically, that whole chapter is all about this. In that record, God told Moses take off your shoes because this where you're standing is holy ground it wasn't the actual location that was making that holy ground that was just a mountain but it was god's presence in the form of a burning bush at the time that made that such a special place that made that holy ground it was just the presence of god being there the principle here is when god is near pay attention when God is near, it's special. When God meets us, which James told us, when we come near to him, he's near to us. When God is near, pay attention. Tune in. Because in that encounter with, God, with Moses in the burning bush, Moses was given his mission for life. His big goal was going to be to lead the Israelite people out of slavery in Egypt. That's when that happened. That's when God said, you're going to be the one to do this. And Moses said, I don't think so. And God said, trust me. He said, trust me. I will lead you through it. When God is near, pay close attention. The chorus to this song, a chorus is, is just a flex. This is, um, we get to flex on, yeah, this is the bridge, sorry, thank you. We get to flex on God's behalf. 
So we get to talk about all the how great God is. And um, this is what it says. Chains fall. Fear bows. Here, now. Lives are healed. Hope is found. Here, now. Jesus, you change everything. These are the things that God does. These are some things that, that the power that God has can do. So we've talked in here about chains falling off. This guy named Paul was in prison, was worshiping. Literally, God sent an earthquake. It rattled his chains loose. The doors of the prison were open, and he was free physically. We, we know God breaks chains. We've also talked about chains falling off uh, is spiritually in a more symbolic way, whether it be from addiction, whether it be a healing in your life, uh, whether it's stress, anxiety, whatever those, those chains may be in your life. God heals people. He breaks chains. Um, and we said he heals people, sometimes a physical healing, sometimes an emotional healing. But every time when you ask, he gives spiritual healing. Every single time we ask and we say, God, I am a sinner, set me free. He says, you are forgiven. And in that moment, you get two types of life. One is eternal life in heaven after you die. And the second is abundant life, greater life, super fun life here on earth. Jesus changes everything. In fact, if you've given your life to God, and uh, you are deciding to follow Jesus, and you're going to try this church thing on, and you're going to have these friends because they also believe in Jesus and are spring you on toward the right things, and your life has not changed, that should be a red flag. If you have made that decision to follow Jesus and nothing about your life has changed, take notice of that. And, and think about why that is, because it may be a bad sign that you have not given your, God, your life fully to God. Now, you're not going to be the perfect Christ follower overnight or ever be the perfect person. But when we give our lives to him, he's going to change our lives. He's going to give us the Holy Spirit, which means that like, you can hear God's voice better. That voice in your head that you used to call your conscience. Hey, that's God. And he's going to get louder. And you're going to listen to him better. That, those are the, the, some of the signs. The fruit of the Spirit. So we're going to see if you give your life, follow, like, your, follow God with everything you have. You're going to see joy and peace and patience and kindness. All of those amazing fruit of the Spirit. You're going to see love in your life when you're following Jesus. And you're going to give yourself over to him more, which means you're going to trust him better. And that is a process I will certainly admit. But you're going to feel joy and peace beyond understanding, which means despite your circumstances, you're going to focus on God and your problems are going to seem smaller because of how big your God is. Paul wrote a letter to Christians in the city of Rome in addition to all the other cities he wrote to. And he said this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So here's the truth. In your life, you are going to change. You're, throughout your, your development, you are going to change. The question is, what way are you going to change? Which direction are you going to go? Who are you going to let change you? These two words are interesting. Um, conformed and be transformed. Because they both mean change. They both mean the same thing. The difference is, who is doing the changing? Do not be conformed by the world. Do not, and you get some part in that too, do not be conformed by the people around you that, because people are broken, people are nasty, people are, are, are hurt. Be transformed by God. Let the Holy Spirit renew your mind. That's the path that you take. You can, you're going to change, but you can, you can be conformed to the world, what the world says is best, or you can be transformed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus changes everything. Let him transform you. And when you surrender to him, that's what he does. Surrender is important. 
uh, and it leads us here to this next song, Surrounded, parentheses, Fight My Battles. So we're actually going to talk about um, and worship to this full song. We have hit the bridge and the chorus before in the past, but we're going to kind of hit the whole thing today. Um, so before we, you may have never heard it before. So here's the first verse in that song. It says, there's a table you've prepared for me in the presence of my enemies. It's your body and your blood you shed for me. This is how I fight my battles. So often, as we've said before, worship songs come from quoting scripture. And really often, they come from quoting specific scripture from a book called Psalms. And we have this book of Psalms. It's a collection of songs and poems that were used throughout human history to give praise to God. It's about God in a bunch of different ways. And um, because it was originally intended for music, musicians often use that to inspire and, and just borrow from those words as they are writing new songs. So in Psalm 23, the beginning of verse 5, it says, You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. So this means, this means even when I have enemies around me, even when I should be consumed by fear, even when it, it seems maybe like there's chaos all around, I can relax and kick back and enjoy a meal. You prepare, that doesn't mean fast food. That doesn't mean, you know, scarfing down a, a, a Pop-Tart on my way out to school. You prepare, you lay this table out for me. I, I, I this is a beautiful picture if you take the time to kind of just create this, because in my head, there, I'm in a battle scene, but there's just like a tiny little bubble over me. I don't know if you've seen some like war scenes on TV or whatever you've seen, but I have like this protective bubble over me at like a picnic table, enjoying a, a meal despite the chaos around me, because God makes it so that I don't have to stress in the battle. God's got me. God knows. I know that I can trust God in the battle. The next um, a verse here says, in the valley, I know that you're with me, and surely your goodness and mercy follow me. So my weapons are praise and thanksgiving. This is how I fight my battles. This is another reference to that same psalm, and it makes a similar point. In verse uh, 4, the beginning of verse 4, it says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, because you are with me. Again, even when things don't look good, I don't have to be afraid, because God's got me. The valley is often used as a symbol of a time that is dark, a time that is hopeless, a time that is that looks bad. But even in those times, I can look to God because he is taking care of me. I can always count on God to take care of me, even when things don't look good. Now we can look at that chorus and bridge, which we've sung in here before, and it says, this is how I fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. And it just repeats these lines over and over again. And we've talked about rep repetition a couple times in here through this series. And we, we know that when we repeat something in a song, it helps us focus on it. And when we focus on it, it helps us to believe it. So after you've seen this is how I fight my battles 1,800 times, that's when you believe that this is actually how I fight my battles. Now, you may be asking the question, how? Like we've sung this is how I fight, but I'm not really clear on the this that we've been referring to. Um, and I, if you were here for the night of worship a few weeks ago, I kind of began an explanation that I think is confirmed when we read Psalm 23, where much of this song is taken from. I think this is what the author meant originally. Um, when we fight our battles by giving them over to God, I'll write these down if you're a note taker. Our battle cry is praise. Our battle station is on our knees 
and our hands lifted. Our battle plan is determined surrender to God. Now, I asked you to write it down, but it's, uh, it, I'll read it again. Our battle cry is praise. Our battle cry is praise. Our battle station is on our knees with our hands lifted to God. And our battle plan is determined surrender. Determined surrender to God. Determined surrender means determined is my action. Surrender is my inaction. <laughs> I, have to make, I have to take action to depend on God. I have to take action to let him take action. Determined surrender to God. Worship is such an important part of what we do in here. And I hope that you're learning something through the series because I certainly am. And not just about the specific songs we talk about, but I'll say it again. We're trying to give you the tools to, to worship in any setting, to worship to any song, and to, to get cues through what we've talked about in here to interpret and apply worship music in every setting. So don't just let the words scroll by you on a screen because there are, there's meaning behind the lyrics and your favorite worship song has more to say. Let's pray. God, thank you that we can worship you through music, that we have uh, these amazing writers in our generation that, I, that are doing amazing work with your word and your principles and putting them into an artistic way that we can express our love and our worship for you, God. I thank you that we can do that, and I pray that you help us. Give us the tools to worship you. Help us to do that. Give us uh, amazing discussion tonight so we can understand, uh, have an even better understanding of worshiping you and what these songs are talking about so that we can have the tools to worship you in all settings, not just the songs we're talking about, but in all settings, we can worship you better because of what we're learning through this series. God, thank you. In your precious name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Students podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.